0: Welcome to Cyberbytes the podcast. I'm your host Tanya Setti, Senior Recruitment Consultant at Aspirant Search. Today I'm speaking with Diana Massaro, CMO of Sky High. Diana will take us through her journey to becoming a successful CMO and reveal her secret sauce for employer due diligence, good leadership, harboring a collaborative culture and balancing life and work. Lovely to have you on the show, uh, Diana. Uh, excited to hear all about your story. So let's go back to where it all began. How, how did you get into marketing?
1: I got into marketing by accident. I never, I never thought that I would like marketing because when I, when I was in school, I thought marketing was like what color the logo is or tricking people with advertising. And so I studied math and have a master's in statistics. And then I went into a product discipline. Wait, I gotta tell you this story, because I love this story. So I was in I was getting my graduate degree and I was super poor. And so I needed to get a job. And so I couldn't find one. I remember just like crying because I was, I needed money and I couldn't find a job. And I finally got one as a receptionist at a company. And after, it was in California. And after a week, they're like, do you wanna be a product manager? And that's how I got into sort of the tech marketing. So I had my first 15 years in product management. And uh, and obviously, I didn't starve to death. So that was wonderful. And I got paid. Uh, <laughs> and then um, I moved into a couple other disciplines and then added marketing to product management. And then now, mm-hmm. in the, the more advanced part of my career, I will say, um, I choose marketing because it's not fluffy at all, actually. And I love the, the messaging part and figuring out how you put a, a your product and the buyer's needs together. And it's also very, very quantitative. And so my background in statistics is, is very helpful. It's not just statistics, I do use statistics in marketing, but my background and my passion for quantitative decision-making fits with marketing really well now.
0: Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, and, and so, Talk to me about what the difference is between a VP of marketing and a CMO.
1: I have very strong feelings about this, actually. (laughs) So a VP of marketing is very, very important, and especially at a smaller stage of company. So this Mm -hmm. is someone who can do, I like to say, like six months in execution. So they're really good at demand gen. They're good at messaging, websites, Branding consistency, PR, all those things that they can hire people and put them put them under (laughs) them and they're good at execution. For me, the difference between a VP of marketing and a CMO is the strategic part. So I spend a lot of time talking to analysts, reading reports, talking to customers, looking at what competitors are doing and trying to figure out where I think the company should go in three years. So that difference in strategy and timeline is for me, what makes the difference between a VP of marketing and a CMO. Just my, I also sometimes when I, when I talk to recruiters or I talk to CEOs, Mm -hmm. they often want to hire a CMO too early where what they really need. If somebody calls me and says, I need demand gen, I'm looking for a CMO. I always go, wait a minute, do you actually need a VP of marketing? Cause that will be more flexible for you in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. OK, so uh, on that note, then a couple of questions. One, when do you think somebody is ready to move from a VP of marketing, sort of a role to a CMO? And when in a company's journey is an appropriate time to get
1: a CMO? So when when, when is an appropriate time? I usually think it's about 50 million in revenue, but I do high tech. Okay? I do B2B SaaS high tech and I do cybersecurity. Okay, so I have a very narrow scope to my answer. So 50, about, about 50 million. And uh, sometimes it can be more, sometimes it can be less. It depends on, it depends on the company. Yeah. Uh, So so when is someone ready? Well, first of all, when you know the execution part, so you can do the VP of marketing Mm -hmm. well, and then you start worrying, not worrying, being more passionate about the longer term things. And so I think part of it is is like reading articles and sending them to the executive team or to others and saying, how does this fit into what we do? And having that curiosity about where the roadmap should go. And so those are the things that I think make you ready for it. But I tell everyone I've never been ready for any of the jobs I have. <laughs> so whether you're ready or you just jump into it, I don't. I don't know that it matters.
0: So just go for it. Just
1: go for it. It's, it's, make it till you make it.
0: <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those uh, things. Somebody was saying to me the other day that um, there's a seventy percent rule. If you feel you can do the job seventy percent, um, a job like that, just go for it. You'll you'll learn the other thirty percent on the way.
1: Or, or write a... I've read a study in the past or heard somebody talking about the difference between men and women and, and that sort of percentage, Mm -hmm. like men think if they have 20% of the skills, or I don't remember what the number was, but it was a low number that they're fine for it. And that women in general, we tend to to really want to know how to do the job before we jump in. And so I would bring that down to 50%. I tell people just, just like, nobody knows how to do these things. You just put some experience and logic and speak with a, Speak with a low voice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Okay. well, tell me a bit more about the company. Tell me a bit more about what you guys do. Uh, How did you end up here? Um, And I'd love to know what your advice is to other fellow marketers on what should they look for when they join a new
1: company? I work at Sky High Security. Uh, Sky High Security used to be part of McAfee Enterprise. Now we are uh, the cloud business. So we can focus only on the cloud and we are no longer part of Backfee as of uh, a year and a half ago. But we are, so we are a relatively new companies. So we launched in March 22. Um, and so our, our history um, is about 15 years of of doing cloud and data security. Yet we're only a year and a half old. So really interesting opportunity. And we have very, we have over 3000 customers, big global enterprise um, customers. And what we do is we identify sensitive data like social security numbers or driver's license numbers or bank account numbers. And when it's in the cloud, so every, most companies use the cloud, whether that's Salesforce or SharePoint or any, you know anything, we make sure that you know where it is and that it stays safe which is, is is really really complex in today's world with how much data we put in clouds and and saas applications and how often it moves around so we are our mission is to protect the world's data and allow companies to collaborate safely and not have to worry about about their data being being stolen
0: yeah also awesome. that that's definitely a problem um that a lot a lot of companies are facing especially with all these articles coming out every day about breaches and um data being lost um and and the amount of damage it can do so that's that's incredible how how did you how did you uh, how how are you how are you on this journey how did you get into uh sky high what what did what did oh, you look for
1: i actually got got headhunted and um or by recruiter. I did. I love recruiters. And they contacted me and I said, no, I'm not interested in going, going to another job and going into cyber. I was doing some consulting at the time. I had just mm-hmm. left a company. And I'm an avid LinkedIn networker. And so I looked at the spec and it had who the CEO was and it said G Rittenhouse. And so I went to LinkedIn and I looked him up and he has a lot of experience at Cisco, and he was his background was super impressive. And so I just connected with him with no, 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 nothing. And he that night wrote me the most thoughtful, authentic message through LinkedIn about my background. All the, and he had read all the way down because he said, "Oh, I see you lived in France for five years." I was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy like really went down." And and he t- and he talked about his view of what how he wanted to come at at protecting people and their and their data and companies and their data. And it was one of the most unique, authentic, straightforward perspectives that I had heard because I really hate cybersecurity marketing when we say, protect everything, we protect all your data, all your cloud, we're all you need. I want, I want to be very straightforward and jargon free as an industry as we're protecting people. And um, so I was super impressed with, with G's response. And so started there. And I think two weeks, three weeks later, I was starting at the company, like, and we <laughs> launched within a month. Awesome.
0: Awesome. And then uh, what I was saying before, what what would you advise um, other fellow marketers when they go look out for roles like that, when it's so early in, in their journey, sort of joining um a mission, joining somebody that has built companies before or somebody that might be a first-time CEO CEO. How 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 did you do your due diligence and how would you advise other people to do that? What 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 are the things that they should be mindful of, uh, what should you look for?
1: That company was a little bit it was a little bit harder for me to do diligence, but in the past, because mm-hmm. they were they were separating out from a couple yeah. of companies. So it was a little bit harder. But in the past at a C level, I sign an NDA and I get financials. I like to see last year's financials. If they will share a couple of 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 quarters of board slides, I really like to see those because then I understand what the big issues are facing the company and I can see how they're communicating. And this is when you go into a private company. And I specialize usually at PE backed private private companies. So maybe the 50 million to mm. half a billion journey kind of part. And uh, so I also read a lot of, of reports like the industry analyst reports, but I take those with a grain of salt because many of the ind- industry analysts don't test the software. Uh, I ask people, I see so friends, I ask them if they've used the products and um, what they think of them. And uh, I also go to review sites. So I look, I do look at Glassdoor, but I look Not to see if it's a good company or not, but to look if people complain, what do they complain about? Just to inform myself, I know that oftentimes angry people post things. Um, I look at sites like G2 if you're going into maybe um, going into software and see and see what it looks like. So for me, I have three things I look at when I well are, are important to me when I go into a company. Number one and really number one is culture. Do I like the people that I'm going to work with? And and G, the the CEO where I'm now, we talked for like three hours about culture. And I said, okay, what happens if if we send an email to 400,000 people and it's the wrong email? He said, well, would you would you know that you did? That? And I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, and you would tell me? I said, yeah. He said, would you have changed the process so it wouldn't happen again? I said, yeah. And he's like, okay. we go. Okay, so culture number one. Uh, number two is that I feel like I am paid fairly, mm-hmm. and that is my responsibility to do. And so you figure out what you're worth, and you got to ask for it, and you have to go into companies where you're paid fairly. And the third is to work somewhere where I feel like the hours that I'm putting in really makes a difference for the company. Like I can move the needle, and that's why I like these PE backed sort of mid sized companies because I can. We can move quickly and make changes. So those are the things that I look for. So I would recommend to someone figure out what your hierarchy of Mm -hmm. what it is for you. Is it you notice like like making a lot of money didn't 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 show up. Like culture and really moving things Mm -hmm. and and making sure that I don't feel underpaid is 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 really what's important to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it it would always be different for different people, different priorities, right? But um, yeah, I like that idea. Having having your top three, um, checking on that and, and the way to do due diligence as well. Um, no, amazing. Um, okay, and I know, again, you, you and I have talked about this a lot of times, but I know culture is really really important to you. Um, now I know the company is completely remote um how how do you drive culture and how do you create it how do you maintain it especially when everything's remote
1: thought i knew how to how to drive culture because i've managed teams since i was 25 years old and i'm not near 25 now and um i i thought i knew how to do this but i knew how to do it in an in-person environment and covid was super interesting to learn how to drive cultures remotely and then starting at Sky High, like I didn't get to meet my team for for a while. I hadn't met the executive team. I hadn't met my boss when I started. So it's it's a little scary. My, my advice, and there's a lot of research to support this, is that as leaders, we need to be more vulnerable, quicker to get that trust of our employees. And part of that is sharing where we make mistakes. It's sharing our personal lives. It's sharing things that we struggle with because every person is struggling with something. And as as I got more open with this, I got more trust and, and vulnerability from my team members. And what that means is that you create this foundation of empathy and, and a personal connection and it allows you then to handle conflict in a more productive way because you trust and like these people as humans. So that's super important. The other thing that that goes for remote or in-person is that I um, actively exit people who may not fit within the organization mm-hmm. so that everyone on my team for the most part feels like we're a team of A players. And so that trust like if you don't do that part, then then there's not trust that everyone's doing their best. And so you have to do that. Yeah. The other, that. Uh, one one more thing is when I when someone starts on my team within the first few months, I like to have them have a big project that I can look at and then tell the rest of the team what a great job they did, right? So then they get that like stamp of mm-hmm. approval or their their managers can do it and send it out to the whole team so that everyone's like, oh yeah, this person's a great addition. So um, we've got a bunch of stuff we do to drive culture all the time too. If you wanna, wanna get into the remote culture, I've got a whole <laughs> whole playlist that I use. <laughs> well,
0: we'll, we'll, do, we'll have to do like a separate uh, podcast for that, but... Um... But now, give us, give us a few tangibles then. What, what are some of the things that um, leaders, CMOs can do on like a day-to-day basis to empower that sort of
1: culture? First thing is thank you notes. So I send thank you notes and, and my team does too multiple, multiple times a day. We also have a culture when someone's presenting, we all get on chat and we say positive things about them. So never... Uh, never constructive criticism in public, like never. And I have made that mistake before, just so you know, but um, I try not to do it and, uh, and, and say positive things. So this, this culture of building people up all the time and others building them up is just Mm -hmm. so, so great. Uh, We also do this thing we called marketing posse, which is we put randomly four people randomly once a month together for an hour to talk about, a subject like what would you do if you couldn't fail and it's not about work usually or it's about like talk about the worst job you ever had but just so that people get to know each other personally and we yeah. mix the groups up together because marketing is different than than some other functions nothing comes out of marketing unless every single group touches it so imagine a i don't know a web page you have product marketing you copywriting, you've got the web team, you've got creative, you have operations, you have like everything touches it. So having those handoffs and trust is really important. The other thing that also helps is assess. So we use a project management tool, we have a wonderful project manager who, who helps us make sure that the work goes to the mm-hmm. right places. And that that helps a lot too. to have maybe stronger process because you can't yell at someone over a queue. hmm.
0: Awesome. OK, lovely. And um, again, when when you're bringing someone into that culture, how do you identify that in an interview process? How, how what's your what's your hiring strategy? Uh, how wh- what are the kind of questions? Well, what are the things that you would look for to make sure that everyone's on the same tangent?
1: First of all. I, I, I just feel like one out of five people doesn't make it. It doesn't matter how you interview. And I know that's not a popular opinion, but I think it's true. Like something will be off. Uh, I have this thing called, I call it the lunch test. And mm-hmm. if you don't want to go to lunch alone with the person you're interviewing, then you probably shouldn't, shouldn't hire them. Uh, you can't be in marketing without being a good writer. So we do a writing test on many of our positions. And my favorite one that works remotely too is 45 minutes into the interview, I say, okay, we're going to stop now. And I would like you by the top of the hour to send me a 15 minute restaurant review. It could be good or bad. It could be fast food or fine dining. I don't care. And you really see, because that's especially marketing, it's a little bit of copywriting and you're selling a little bit. And and so that's great. It's a great test for for writing.
0: I really, I really <laughs> like that one. <laughs> awesome. That's that's incredible. Um, and again, leadership is really important to you because you're doing all these things to drive um culture. Where w- how would you describe yourself as as a leader? Um, and what do you think has influenced um you in your life, in your career to become
1: a great leader? You're assuming I'm a great leader. Hold on, let's talk. If mean, you need to talk to my team. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, on my team right now, I have five people who've worked for me before. So I, listening,
0: only, I, only I, say I, <laughs> I only say this because I have actually spoken to a lot of your team members who, who keep saying you're a great leader.
1: <laughs> um, so the first thing is I'm very transparent, very authentic. Um, feedback I give all the time. I tell people, if in your annual review you learn anything, I have failed you. So I give good and bad feedback constantly and then it's not as painful. I also, I also manage for the employee. So some people, I call them baseball bat employees, like American baseball, that it, and and it doesn't matter male or female, they don't get it unless you just smack them in the head and you say, don't do that again, or get a process to change this. And there's other people that you just have to push them a little bit like, Hey, Maybe next time you should think about doing this. And they just go, oh. So I'm just telling you, I'm one of those. Okay. So I was at a company, it was years ago, and um, we had some free tools. And so that's how we did lead generation. It was a high volume transactional model. And so we got a new email out on one of our new free tools and we sent it out to a gazillion people. And the CEO uh, wrote me a note and said, this is a great email. You guys yeah, really proud of it. It looks good. But maybe next time you should mention that the tool is free. Oops. (laughs) So um, I tell everyone that story because it's how I like to be managed. And it just shows that, you know, everybody messes something up sometime. So having that psychological safety that you can go so fast that you do mess things up is, is, is part of driving the right, the right culture and keeping it there. When new people enter my team, so what we do in cyber is is fairly technical and fairly complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, in every company I'm at, I make, make, yeah, I make, I people deliver our corporate pitch. It's usually 15 minutes okay. to the marketing team within four to six weeks of starting. So that everyone on the marketing team understands what we what problems we solve who has those problems and how our products align to them mm. because if you don't know the buyer and you mm-hmm. don't know the product you're kind of not super valuable to the company
0: yeah that's amazing that's amazing how how do
1: people generally do on this pitch um mm-hmm. The beginning, they didn't, at this company, at the beginning, they didn't take it seriously because they didn't understand, and <laughs> I had to fail a few people. But that was just because they didn't understand the assignment. My, yeah. my fault. Um, now, people take it very seriously. They practice. I've had people say they practice to their parents. Uh, and we get some really, really good ones. And it's a great, like, rite of passage. It's terrifying. A yeah. lot of the marketing team comes um, to listen to it, and you see all kinds of positive like you know this stuff and I know yeah. that, that the team like rallies around to help these people practice it's really it's really fun to have everyone have to go through the same thing yeah and someone in, someone in sales the enablement guy said uh, to me when he started he said who can take me through the corporate pitch and I said anyone in marketing. <laughs>
0: Love that. Love that. That's I think that's a great exercise. I, I wish more people did that. that. That's such a that's such a simple idea, but it encourages people to do their own research, understand what the product does, the company, pain points, everything, right? Everything you want to teach them. That's that's the assignment.
1: So no, lovely. People who've been on the team for six weeks that are like, I learned more about security mm. in you know, doing preparing for this corporate pitch than I did at for you know years at my last company,
0: yeah, I
1: can because imagine. sometimes we forget to train marketing, and then they have this this foundation of a million acronyms and and what we do. But then they can they can add onto it when we do more more training with them. And it also makes the job more fun when yeah. you know what you're talking about. It makes your digital ads more effective. It makes you know then you can understand the town hall meetings that the CEO does better. Like
0: Absolutely. I
1: encourage everyone to, if you don't know your products and buyer well go, go demand it. That's what you should, you should, you need to do that in marketing, Mm. any marketing role.
0: Yeah. No, love that. Love that. And I, I I hope a lot of people that watch this uh, continue doing this. Amazing. Um, No, great. Lovely. And um, I guess lastly, um, I know you work incredibly hard. You've, you've had an amazing journey uh, here all the way. Um, one of one of your uh, team members asked me to ask you this. So, how do you manage it all? How do you manage work life, and how do you how can you sort of help other people to do the same?
1: So the the all is my husband has a big job. So he's, a, he's, he's at uh, HP and he's got a he's got a big job, and we have three children. And so it's been uh, now they're starting to leave the house and go to university and and I have one more that's still in in high school and then we will be childless. But there were a lot of years where it was just crazy. Uh, I don't do it all. So I just fake it. I had a in my 20s, I had a very smart manager who had children. and she said, if you're doing, you feel like you're doing 80% at work and 80% at home, that's balance, and so I've really taken that—that that I'm never going to feel like like you can do it all. But we we need diversity in the workplace, and part of that is people who have cho- children, and mm-hmm. and and women who have children, and and so it's a we have to figure out. I mean, I, I would I would like to figure out how to do this better in our in our industry. Um, I've worked, you know, mornings very early in the morning and late. I also say like. Exercise, family, and work. I can only do two out of three. So now I figured out how to do all three, but I think it's because my kids are kids are older. But it is it's it's hard, and I don't think that as an industry we're really set up for this yet. Honestly, at least mm-hmm. in the in the United States.
0: Yeah how how does someone that is entering um, into a role still sort of figuring out their way, proving themselves, getting up to sea level or now when they when they feel the pressure to give it all
1: what would what advice would you have for them it was when I had young kids I used to in interviews hide that I had children like not hide well, I wouldn't tell them that Mm -hmm. I had children and my advice is be really open now I would say be really open with What you need, even when you're interviewing, like I tell people that I have kids all the time or other things that are happening in my life so they understand right up front that I am authentic and transparent and everyone has some sort of guardrails around what they can do and they can't do like I try to get my weaknesses out there early on where you work, they're going to find them anyway. And so those weaknesses may be, hey, I've got a, a heavy family schedule, or I have an aging parent, or I have whatever. So I just go in unapologetically. And you figure out, like, work will expand to the time you get it. Mm-hmm. And so you figure out what you're willing to give. And then you manage within that. I'm sounding like I have this figured out. I don't. Sometimes my husband comes to me and goes, I think you've worked way too many hours, you know, like, I don't know, 70 or 80 hour weeks. You've got to stop. So for a while there, I was like tracking my time, even recently, along <laughs> with one of my employees were like, we're going to track our time and make sure that at 60 hours we stop working. But I get excited yes. about what I do. It's hard for me to stop. <laughs>
0: awesome now all of this all of this is uh i'm sure will help a lot of people um thank you so much for coming on the podcast um it's been great talking to you i know we can talk for hours but um... thank you for having me can we just keep going <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do part two for sure